Welcome to Captain Creature's Creature Feature. Your host, Captain Creature. They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for? If not for shooting. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. Don't mean you have to like it. There is nothing to worry about. You're gonna be just fine. I'm your number one fan. Let her get away, mommy. Welcome to another edition of Horrifying My Friends, a special ghosty edition of Horrifying My Friends. Spooky, spooky Victorian mansion. <laughs> I'm horror host Trav. Joining me as always is producer Kate. Hey. And back on the show is spooky Samantha. Hi, thanks for having me back. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh yeah, so I want to jump right into things here. Um, so we talked last time briefly about like your ghosty experiences and kind of like your podcast with your husband, which I think is a really, really cool idea and uh, something that you guys do together, which is like really, really cool. Mm -hmm. But do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's a podcast where it's called Pair of Normals. That's P-A-I-R, because we're a pair mm -hmm. of normals pod. And um, we are paranormal enthusiasts. So like usually when we travel, we go to scary space. Uh, places and do investigations and so we were just like hey we love doing this why don't we talk about it on our podcast so that's what we do when we've just been going to different places and having really? experiences and it's been great so who's the big wimp like at these places <laughs> like, De definitely me okay. like it's so like when people find out that i like do ghost hunting they're like really because i'm like i jump at everything so i don't i don't even understand how i sit in these like dark rooms for hours <laughs> just like waiting for something to happen because that's totally not me so i'm i i am the um scary one my husband's more of the skeptic you know uh -huh. i'll be like "Ooh, what was that that was definitely something he was like he'd be like no that's probably like he's an like animal. that's the water heater relax yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Your husband's yeah. more of like the Zach Bagans where he's like, you wanted us, you got us. Stuff like he, that. Yeah, he definitely like sometimes like um, our last investigation, we, which was really cool. We did kind of um, private investigation for this place of business. We were the first paranormal team to be there. So that was kind of cool. So we were we were trying to gather evidence to see if we thought that there was like a ghost in this place or not. And so I was like, hey, Jeff, like you like it, it was an old prison. So I was like, hey, and he's been a correctional officer before in his past. So I was like, hey, you know, do your correctional officer thing. And so he was like, hey, no, 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 no. Like everyone come out of their cells like for a thing. And then we actually got evidence. It was craziness. So really? like sometimes those things, those kind of gimmicks work but so these questions are kind of just coming to me but have you guys been to places like uh, what's what's the most noteworthy place you guys have been in indy i mean we've been to a lot of places in indiana we've been to like waverly hills that's oh, in like kentucky that's like a big touristy kind of thing we've been to a couple of cemeteries in indiana we've been to randolph infirmary okay that's kind of like randolph county okay um in the north uh, we're going to Crown Point, Ooh. old Crown Point jail next month. 
And H.H. Holmes has, like, some history through there as well. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, not Crown Point. It's, I'm thinking of uh, Irvington. Yeah, oh, Irvington, yeah. yeah. We've, yeah. we've been on a couple of tours in Irvington, like walking tours, because there's really nothing. Like, the H.H. Holmes house is uh, yeah. not left. And so we've been on a couple of walking tours to see, like, oh, this is where this used to be and stuff. And it's kind of interesting. But <laughs> you what's, mentioned, the, what's the most, like, kind of haunted place you've been to date? I think the most haunted place we've been to date was we went um, last year to South Pittsburgh uh-huh. um, Hospital in Tennessee. It's, like, right outside of Chattanooga. Um, it's been on a lot of those shows and stuff like that. So anybody has seen that, they'll know what I'm talking about. But it was like an old hospital. Um, we got some really good evidence talking about like provoking. Jeff did some provoking on the third floor. And we got like pictures of faces or what Holy we or what we believe to be faces Ooh. and stuff like that. So, yeah, definitely. If you want to check out those pictures, you can go look us up on Facebook at Paramount pair of normals um on facebook and look at those pictures but yeah i think that was to me like the spookiest place like yeah i want to have jeff on i want him to yell at me i want him to yell at me maybe i'm into that i don't know Um, but yeah, so is that an up and coming, is that like a going podcast right now? Like, are you guys currently, yeah, uh, we do seasons and we're going to uh, drop our new season starts in July. So look for that. Awesome. So. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I might have something new to binge. Like <laughs> I love binging these podcasts mm-hmm. and stuff. So yeah, we, we're having Samantha back for something ghosty. I was like, uh, what are some, um, you had mentioned a few, like the orphanage and stuff like that. And I was like, what about the changeling man from 1980? Cause it's such a, such a classic, mm-hmm. but yeah. So this is the, this is the moment in the pod where I'll kind of talk for a little bit, you know, and give give you guys, throw you guys some fast facts. So the changeling from 1980 directed by Peter Madak, who didn't really direct a ton more genre flicks. He continued to work on TV for a long time, uh, directing episodes of the 80s Twilight Zone, which is one of my favorites, and um, also worked on Breaking Bad, Masters of Horror, The Wire. Like, this dude's worked on, continued to work on TV throughout the years. A story by Russell Hunter and screenplay by William Gray. Russell Hunter will come in big later on the uh, Fast Facts. Starring George C. Scott as John Russell. Um, the, George C. Scott was kind of like a distinguished actor, like, you know, of the of the 60s and, you know, uh, 70s. He played Patton and, you know, was in Dr. Strangelove. And he was in all these, you know, other like uh, very well-regarded movies. So it also stars George C. Scott's then wife, Trish Van Devere, as Claire. So this is actually their eighth film together that they made. So also starring Melvin Douglas as Senator Joseph Carmichael and uh, John Kulikos as DeWitt. I think that's like about where it becomes... You know, a little, a little stretching thin, because I think those are the main characters. Mm-hmm. So, synopsis. After the death of his wife and daughter in a car crash, a music professor staying at an old mansion is dragged into a decades-old mystery by an in- inexplicable presence in the mansion's attic. So, I mentioned earlier that uh, Russell Hunter helped provide the story for the film. This was, like, quite literally, and something I didn't know. So, I'm going to read a little bit from uh, Kate Rudolph's article on... History of Denverlibrary.org. So this is the official Denver Library like webpage. Again, the writer is Katie Rudolph. But it says, so I'm gonna read for a little bit because this blew my fucking mind. That <laughs> <laughs> this dude was cray, or this shit will like literally happen note for note. So the 1980 film The Changeling is based on the paranormal events of Russell Hunter experienced while living in an old home near Chessman Park in the late 1960s. 
Uh, Hunter had actually worked for a musical arranger at CBS, but moved to Colorado in the mid-60s to help his parents manage the Three Birches Lodge in Boulder. In the late 60s, Hunter began looking for an apartment in Denver where he could live and work on his music. He rented the home at 1739 East 13th Avenue. Hunter claimed that beginning on February 9th, 1969, and a lot of this will sound familiar, he started experiencing strange phenomenon in the house. First, there was an unbelievably unbelievable banging that occurred every morning at 6 a.m. Then faucets began to turn on themselves and doors opened and closed on their own. Walls vibrated violently, tossing paintings onto the floor. Shortly thereafter, Hunter and an architect friend uncovered a hidden staircase in the back closet. The stairway led to the third floor of the home where Hunter found a child's trunk containing the, a nine-year-old school books and a, and a journal from a century ago. The journal detailed the life of a disabled boy who was kept in isolation. <laughs> the boy wrote about his favorite toy, a, a red rubber ball. A few nights after discovering the trunk, a red rubber ball dropped from the top of the spiral staircase in the home. So, so bit for bit, man. That's the synopsis of this movie. <laughs> like bit for bit, I was like, "Holy shit!" So basically, he goes on, and I I won't like continue reading directly from the article, but he has a seance, and he says that the child like spoke to him, and like there's a well involved and shit, like straight up out of this movie. I was like, "Holy shit!" It literally wrote itself. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I'll I'll post I'll definitely post that article because it's like a fascinating read. Um, but it, it's quite a long article, so I just wanted to get it going there for a minute. Uh, so second fast fact: director Martin Scorsese uh, included this movie in his top eleven scariest horror films of all time, over The Exorcist. Even wow. Um, so wasn't more, expecting that. Oh yeah, more director love. Guillermo del Toro loves this movie, and Spanish filmmaker Alejandro Amendabar, I believe is how you say that, has claimed in several interviews that this is one of his all-time favorite horror movies, uh, up to the point of inspiring several scenes in The Others. Um, director, mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. The yeah, others I got are, some others vibes mm -hmm. from this too. Oh too. yeah. Uh, director Madak took the film because he had tragedies of his own and he felt that he had an understanding of grief and the power of loss. Uh, Madak's father had died after four years in a Soviet camp and he lost his older brother when he was just 14. And then add on to the fact that Madak's first wife committed suicide while he was working on the film Ruling Class. Um, this is just some like technical stuff uh, within the movie. So the, the house in the movie... Like uh, didn't really exist in real life. What they did was they couldn't find uh, a perfect Victorian-style house in Vancouver where they shot the movie, so they took two hundred grand and kind of built a, the front of a Victorian house over a modern-style, you know, Vancouver house. I thought that was kind of cool because the house in this picture is like so iconic and like you know just creepy in and of itself. Just that front of the house. Um, the first of two ghost stories ghost story horror movies that veteran actor Melvin Douglas made in a two-year period along with Ghost Story in 1981. I don't know if you've seen that or not. Mm -mm. So that's another that's another pretty solid one. Uh, this actually goes to a theme uh, at the time that was happening where these distinguished actors of the 50s and 60s were appearing in horror films. It's kind of like a history of horror kind of thing. We also saw this with Gregory Peck and The Omen, Max mm -hmm. Van Sydow and uh, The Exorcist, and even if you wanted to stretch it a little, uh, Donald Pleasance in Halloween. Uh, 
mm-hmm. which brought like a kind of like a more sophistication to a the little movie. legitimacy, a credibility, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. like a credibility. So, with that, concludes the notes. Samantha, what were your initial thoughts on the changeling? Um, well, I was really confused because I thought it was like the Angelina Jolie remake. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they both had the same like kind of premise of like what a changeling is. But mm-hmm. um, no, I thought it was really good. Um, there was some jump scares that really got me. I, c- I could see why this was on the top of um, some notable people's list because it was really scary. I think the beginning and the end worked better for me. Kind of fell mm-hmm. apart in the middle like as a mystery when he was trying to kind of solve like what exactly like who that spirit was up there but yeah the the ball rolling down the stairs got me the the shadow that he saw in the tub that really oh, yeah. oh, that yeah. that was like crazy <laughs> and then the whole wheelchair like <laughs> it like it's so funny cuz like when you go to these like paranormal tourist things like you, you get where they get their inspiration from because you see a lot of those like wheelchair wheelchairs and creepy things mm-hmm. and these oh, like yeah, yeah and these uh, attractions right now. So it's okay. oh yeah, mm-hmm. so okay. This was also your first time seeing this as well. So what did you think? All right, so I knew it was going to be ghosty because Samantha was a, the guest lined up for this film. But mm-hmm. when I he- heard it was called the Changeling, I thought it was going to be kind of like a fae fairy kind of thing because like mm-hmm. I I read some fantasy and i hear that changeling term a lot mm-hmm. like when for instance the fae will swap out a baby for the for mm-hmm. the little fae baby you know that kind of thing and so i was expecting something a little bit different <laughs> um and then uh i didn't know it was from the 80s either so i was actually really pleasantly surprised um at how well constructed this film was i think it was really well directed and really well put together so first impression was i really really liked it um, and you- i can't believe i i, ha- I didn't know that one, it was a movie ever. Um, <laughs> two, like for for it being like a classic on so many big, mm-hmm. you know, film guys lists. Mm-hmm. Like I thought I would. I've heard of The Exorcist. Who hasn't? But I haven't heard of The Changeling. Mm-hmm. Did you two think that we were watching the 2008 <laughs> Angelina Jolie? No, <laughs> I didn't know she did one. <laughs> Shows you how much I know. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I haven't seen that. Like, uh, but it's about like getting their child back and. Bleh. you know like who cares <laughs> no but then the kid she's like this is not my kid like it, it, it's all the same like oh swapping out oh, yeah. kids and yeah. stuff yeah yeah the very the very uh very different renditions that you can do of the changeling is mm-hmm. interesting to me yeah <laughs> um so what did you guys think of like uh one of the one of my favorite parts about this movie is like the uh the characters like the um not and not necessarily like characters but like the main character like i really really dig the main character but what did you guys think about the oh john russell yeah yeah old john russell i thought he was really stand up he was he was a little cool as a cucumber for me, a little too, like, (laughs) at some points it's like, okay, George, you could leave this house right now. No one one would hold that against you. He was just like, no, what's, what's really going on? But um, he was really, yeah, I thought he did a good job. Very investigative and shit. I was, I was going to say the same thing as I did get like this vibe where he literally almost never has a strong, like show of fear. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like if you're in that house, like you're, gonna have you're gonna feel some fear but then part of me was like well the worst thing in the world has happened to him already so Mm. maybe this is like nothing to him because he's already lost his wife and child who he loved so maybe if the worst has already happened to you like some 
weird shit happening in your house is not going to scare you that much. Like, I don't know. Maybe that was like he was still in the midst of like really intense grief. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I maybe that just kind of drove him to and this is just my kind of rationalization of everything. Oh, yeah. But like maybe that the fact that he lost his young daughter who would have been, you know, I guess not that different in age to the young boy that was murdered. Maybe that kind of lit a fire in him to bring this child some sense of peace and justice. I don't know. Yeah. in that beginning scene, uh, you open up with that man and it, it is like, it's crushing to watch just like that open scene because they don't do it in like a hokey way or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like I was thinking about like antichrist, like uh, that, the beginning of that movie and I don't totally different kind of film, yeah. but it's like in slow-mo and shit and stuff like that. But in this, it's like, it happens fast, and there's nothing he can do to stop it. And it's fucking heartbreaking. And he's just sitting there with his chin hanging mm-hmm. or, like to the ground. And know? then they just like cut to the opening scene, boom, the changeling. Oh. Like mm-hmm. it's like yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, I was I'm, I was I was struggling with like what are the parallels we are supposed to get from like that him losing his wife and child to like so was he more drawn to this house? Like was the house really trying to use him because they knew? Like I, I don't know. Like why? what what did that what connection did that have yeah i don't know if there was one or if it just like the stars aligned and maybe that's what we're supposed to kind of understand i mean because he is the first person to move into the home in Mm -hmm. like decades they make it sound like yeah i think the stars kind of aligned and i think him being just kind of the kind a good person and he has this fatherly energy and then he wants to help and protect this young soul this child's soul i mean i'd like to say that the house like kind of drew him in because why did he go to seattle like maybe it was Mm -hmm. for this job um but of all the houses in all of seattle that he happens to go in this one oh yeah yeah. and two other things like just on this character like this and we really are like it it's somewhat like my favorite kind of movie is is like we're unraveling this this mystery alongside this guy. And this guy really is like a good natured guy. Cause uh, I brought up two things last night when Kate and I watched it together. Uh, well, I didn't bring this first one up, but they show him crying in the movie, which I thought mm-hmm. was like a really good scene because mm-hmm. you don't often see like the guy crying. No. Like it's usually like, you know, the wife or, you know, whatever, like in these type of movies. But this dude is like heartbroken and he's at like a place of like breaking. Like they show him months after, you know, that was like his biggest expression of emotion. Like yeah. when he was sitting there in that bed, cry- like oh, heaving. Yeah. I was like, Ooh, I, I mean, I part. can relate with like after my dad died, like this is yeah. this still happens oh, sometimes where I'll just like be laying in bed and just mm-hmm. like it hits you mm-hmm. and you just have to cry it out. And I know a lot of people grieve privately and he yeah. seems like the type. Mm-hmm. And there was a line early on when he's like um, the first I think he's in therapy or something and he's smoking. And he's like, you know, the first first couple months, it like, I, like I didn't know how to feel. Like I was like numb, or you know, I didn't mm-hmm. know what happened. Um, and the other thing I was going to touch on is like the lack of romance. I dug that because in a lot of these movies, <laughs> Samantha's like, I don't know, I could have saw. <laughs> I mean, I just think it's like, okay, his hot wife in the beginning, and then Claire. I'm just like, okay, like calm down, Dorothy Scott. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, but, I think Claire kind of had it for him, but he was yeah. not entertaining it. I dug that, though, because it's like, if you've seen Halloween 3, this motherfucker, Tom Atkins, is 80 years old, and he's he's going through this mystery, and this one chick, uh, I can't remember her name, she's like every like 32 yeah. at tops, and she is all over him, Ugh. and I'm like, 
they could have easily done that though in this in this movie. George C. Scott could have easily been like, "Hey, I want to hook up with her." You know what I mean? Like or like, I don't know. It just didn't go with his character. I think it. I think, it, I think it, they apply it implies it that they probably end up together in the future. I'm sorry. I just yeah. no. You're. I think you're 100 percent right. I think this bonded them, mm-hmm. um, and I think a lot of new relationships especially after a big loss like he's had like they start from a friendship and Mm -hmm. will develop and maybe she's an opportunist i don't know but like (laughs) she seemed like a nice she seems like a nice lady um but yeah i agree with you samantha that they definitely set it up that they're gonna end up together in the future but i do think if they had had them having any romantic contact in this storyline in this time it would have made the audience not like his character because not enough time had passed and how else are you supposed to see that he's still like deeply rocked by this and that his he still loves his wife Mm -hmm. and hasn't gotten over that like you can't buy into that if he's Mm -hmm. jumping into something with a new stranger i appreciate i appreciate how he treated claire as like an equal like he really was Mm -hmm. coming to her like what do you think of this like what you know he was she was definitely the first person he contacted when all the stuff like went crazy so like he definitely respected her opinion and i appreciate that like he definitely looked at her at her like a friend but -hmm. they were definitely banging (laughs) Uh, yeah he was like ghost or no ghost yeah we're getting on (laughs) kate and i and this is the first time i've seen this in like years so kate and i thought she was evil like the whole movie i was like oh I don't remember the ending, but she's got to have something going on. I was like, gee, they just, <laughs> there's so many little close-ups of her and, and these looks that she was given. And I was like, are, is she, oh, yeah. does she know something? Is or is she, she like, the daughter? Or, you is know, there like, some cult stuff happening? Yeah. Like, I was so curious. And it turns out, obviously, none of that was true. But you could tell we watched too much shit. But like, <laughs> but yeah, I did get a weird vibe from her at first but it maybe like they were it was kind of a red herring for the audience like to mm-hmm. wonder if it was her yeah so uh so the next part kind of like unless there's like another character that you guys want to get into like is is the story because i think that what sets this film apart from a lot of your other like spooky uh like kind of quiet slow burning horror in this genre is like is is the plot because it does go in a direction that you don't see coming like with the whole, it almost gets into like a conspiracy kind of thriller, like mm-hmm. towards the end. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's like part of it that you said didn't work for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. But what did you guys think about that? Like, You want me to go first? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So just a reminder for anyone who is listening to this but hasn't seen the film in a while. So I think I the way I understand it, this child who was murdered by his father and was you know, sequestered in this remote area of the house his whole life, like probably not treated well. And his father drowns him one day. I have issues with the fact they made me watch that twice in this film. <laughs> the but dad anyway, was like, it I was, got something to say. It was I really... I baby today. <laughs> Travis. <laughs> the most disturbing scenes. Travis is always like, that was that was, that was was awesome. That was brutal. And like, I'm sitting here shook because I was like, I can't believe I just watched that. Anyway, Same. so the father is this very rich man. He owns a lot of things. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and... His son is, quote unquote, crippled, and he didn't have faith that his son basically could be uh, an heir to his fortune, Mm -hmm. right? Like, he wouldn't live long enough for him to pass his fortune on to somebody. Because if his son died before he died, which he thought was likely, all of his wealth and money would go to, like, charity. Mm -hmm. God forbid, (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> and it was a different era too. Cause it's like, um, his, his weakened son, you know, it's like it's 1909 or something. So he could have yeah. got like, you know, I don't know when polio was out or, you know, whatever. yeah, who knows. But yeah. the point is rather than let his money go to charity, he was like, let me kill my son. Mm. Go like adopt a child from an orphanage on the down low mm. who it looks kind of like him. Take him overseas during World War One to to quote unquote get some kind of fancy therapy, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> cutting edge therapy in another country. And then when the war ends, you know it's eighteen years late. The kid would have been eighteen years old at that point, and he comes home with this child, and everyone just assumes that it's Joseph Carmichael. Because no yeah. one had pictures back then. They no. were like, yeah, hang on, it looks the same. It was very smart <laughs> well, I mean, what they said, because they were like, yeah, the war actually played into it, because by the time it was over... Yeah, it, it like, kept him there longer, and you know, people wouldn't have really known if he would look like that at 18 or not. Mm-hmm. I think you would kind of know, but I, I don't think anyone knew this kid well enough, because he wasn't out. Mm-hmm. He was always up in that room. Um, like, to put a kid in a wheelchair on, in, like, the third floor of your house is like with no ramps is as like soon a, as i as soon as i got in that room i'm like i know this is a disappointments room like i i kind of had knew the store the knew, knew where they were going i'm like okay this is definitely some something they were trying to hide or or some big family secret so i got that part of it yeah and so to me it's like well if no one ever saw your kid i guess you could pull this off um and so he comes back. The kid was thrown into a well somewhere else on another property that this man owned. And that's why the spirit is obviously pissed um, off, pissed off <laughs> um, and seeking redemption or uh, revenge. And the thing is, the kid who he, the man adopted, the father adopted, is now an adult, Senator Joseph Carmichael. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know presumably i know i still think like does he know or does he not know it's hard to say because i got a vibe almost at the end like when at the end when they've got the the little metal necklaces Mm -hmm. he's got both of them and he's like oh i thought those are mine i i got this vibe that he was like having an a moment of discovery about himself where he like he did not know this and he was in so much shock that his whole life was a lie and that he's like this imposter. There's a lot of unexplained things and a lot of things I wasn't sure about, but I'm, I'm curious what you guys thought about that. I, yeah, I was wondering the same thing too about the senator. I, To me, I think he, he probably knew at some point, like when he was younger, you know, but then oh, like yeah. as some like as family secrets go, you just like mm. you assume the character and then it just becomes that's you, you know, and it's like something that you've buried deep inside. And I think when he had the two necklaces, it just like clicked for him he like it unlocked and he remembered that yeah you know i'm not this guy or whatever yeah my whole life is a lie Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah because when the guy uh when he like which was a crazy scene when he runs up on him at the airport like that was wacky anyway like that was the that was the only time that the main character acted wacky i'm like why are you doing this but you look like fucking whack job but like he felt like he was just like oh fuck like the chickens are coming home to roost like, in that moment, like, when he got on the plane, like, he was like, I have no idea who that was. But, like, I think he knew. I agree with Samantha in that, like, I think that he buried that, like, you know, that that, that family lie back in the back of his mind. But he, he knew more than he was putting on, which is why that spirit was like, you know, motherfucker. Like, and you're coming back before this all burns down, too. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was like, it was very... um 
and I'm not usually good with like putting plots together at all. So <laughs> I, I can't really tell you much more than that. But. And then and they also do this weird cryptic thing with um, her name is Miss Heckle, I think, but she was one of the women who works at the Historical Society with Claire, and she calls Senator Carmichael at one point, like shortly after. Um, sorry what's his name john buys the house Mm -hmm. or rents the house whatever she kind of tells him like what does she say i wish i could remember but she's kind of like yeah they're in there and things are starting to happen almost like they know like Mm -hmm. that she and the senator know something about this spirit and so yeah maybe he knew and maybe that whole ending with him staring at the metal and kind of feeling like you get the sense his his like life is unraveling before your eyes in his head, but maybe it wasn't like maybe that I need to see that through a different lens. Like maybe it's him just have, realizing that the jig is up. I think the Mrs. Heckle like knew that the senator had connections with the house and wanted to kind of like like. I just think she didn't she didn't know specifically what the secret was, but she knew that there was something and she didn't want like the senator to be attached to like scandal, I guess what it would be considered back then or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think she was just just kind of given a heads up or something. And yeah. you could tell because she like stole some files like when they were trying to dig and like, oh, we're, we don't even know. We don't have titles or anything like that. Like you could tell that was Miss Heckle that stole it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and another another scene that gives you the impression that he kind of knew was um, him sending that uh detective Mm. like that particular detective to john to kind of like scare him into like hey he wants something back he knows you have it so return it and this you don't say a word to anybody else kind of thing right but i think that's why he didn't go to the cops but yeah like very very interesting um uh plot you know like that like I know you said that you definitely didn't see it going there, like where it ultimately went. No, and I was really pleasant, pleasantly surprised, honestly, it, at where it went. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do think that this... I've never seen a ghost haunting story where the ghost spirit has this much strength and power. Mm-hmm. Like it literally starting fires from nowhere, incinerating this house. Mm-hmm. Like it's... Take this wheelchair is like chasing a woman all the way around the house. Like when you see, you know, stories like Samantha, I don't think you've seen anything that intense, right? It's Mm-mm. usually like a book falls, a, a book is pushed off a shelf, or a door like creaks open, or just like smaller shows of mm-hmm. um, that there's something there. Yeah. Uh, so I thought it was interesting. Usually when you see that kind of power, it's like with a demon. Yeah. This is not, I don't think, meant to be a demon. Yeah, and usually like in these types of movies, you actually see the ghost. And uh, and then in this one you 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 really don't other than that bathtub scene you know like the but it's very very subtle oh yeah and the Ooh. well scene mm-hmm. 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 I think I like I, I I don't mind the plot it was very interesting I just don't like how we discovered like the plot devices and stuff mm-hmm. like that so can we talk about the seance because <laughs> I think oh, yeah. that that's yeah, yeah. what's really got me yeah let's get into the spooky <laughs> shit yeah the let's seance I fucking love this scene <laughs> go go ahead. <laughs> Okay, so part of the, parts of the seance I I really liked like like the automatic writer. I thought that was really genuine, and I've 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 been part of seances, and that's and with automatic writing, and that's kind of how it went. So to me, that's like oh, that's that was so really legit. Um, 
I don't know what that big aluminum cone. That was kind of silly. When it was like very silly. Um, I don't know why you would put a glass of water right next to it. It just seems like an accident waiting to happen. Uh So I don't know what that was. I was thinking maybe. Sometimes we've used like a Jacob's ladder kind of thing to like build energy and kind of like conduct stuff like that, but so maybe that was something like how that was yeah, but... like a big electromagnetic cone yeah <laughs> and there are theories that like uh, that ghosts like um can use water or something mm-hmm. yeah there's like there's so many mm-hmm. theories out mm-hmm. there and stuff like that but yeah that probably that's probably why that that makes sense why that glass of water was right that sounds there. like 1980s para <laughs> you know para <laughs> now um, these EVPs that they recorded yeah. <laughs> on that old tape recorder. I mean, if I got these A plus EVPs <laughs> like that, the clearest, yeah. <laughs> the clearest EVPs you'd ever ever hear. Joseph. <laughs> I like how he replays it over and over again. Like, what did that say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like there was any doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah answering all the questions that they asked like that never happens (laughs) like it was just great so like that part the evidence that they collected there i'm a jealous but it that doesn't happen like that at all but like Mm -hmm. i i I thought part of the seance were really good so yeah it was like very that woman was creepy to me man like all the just just that scene like in the music coming in in the background very very dramatic and like I was like, uh, remember Brooks laughed at the end and I was just like, dude, that was fucking terrifying to me. That's what I told him. Yeah, my husband was laughing. I think he thought it was like meant to make us laugh because, you know, he's like, you know, he thinks all that silly. Uh But to me, like, I thought this scene was very disturbing and that, yeah, the medium, I don't remember her character's name or if she even had one, but the medium's like 100 yard stare. Yeah. Like, and you can tell she's in some kind of like trance-like state where she is channeling and I thought she did a great job of that. Yeah, and the uh, the it, it's almost creepier with the the husband or the partner like uh, going uh, boy, uh, well, you know, like every mm-hmm. now and then, like in the background, and that music's just crescendoing and then, like getting more and more intense, and I'm like, fuck, my heart's gonna beat out of my chest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, <laughs> it was so stressful. Definitely. And then Brooks laughs, and I'm like, but I'm like about to have a heart attack. <laughs> I think he was laughing especially about that cone. Like when that cone showed up, like yeah. Sam, you're not alone. Like <laughs> he was just like, oh come on. I think Brooks laughs a little bit when he's like a little scared too because that happens to people too like i think brooks was a little creeped out so he laughed yeah i think when he can feel tension rising mm-hmm. like he'll crack a joke to kind of break the tension that is his the way he is but i don't know i, th- I just personally don't think he was paying enough attention to- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. i think he looked up and saw her hand scribbling and um it all seemed so bizarre to him mm-hmm. that he was just like eh, that's silly so, yeah, so let's keep on talking about some of these scares. So, did, um, Samantha, <laughs> what were some of your other uh, favorite? I think I did that last time. I think too. so, too. <laughs> um, Samantha, what were some of your other, like, favorite scary scenes? Or, like, influential? Like, you know, you're like, oh, I saw them do that in that movie and stuff. Um, Like I said, yeah, it really scared me, like, with the bathtub scene when he goes in there and sees that person, like, in the bathtub. Kind of mm-hmm. reminiscent of, like, what lies beneath, like, mm-hmm. for me. Oh that, that, like, part. Good like, reference. Yeah, like, that movie, I don't know if it's good or not, but I just always remember that scene and, and that was. Oh, that movie like, creepy. That is a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that would, and, it, no, that's a fucking mind-blowing thing that you just brought up because it's, like, that's the same kind of deal mm-hmm. where it's, like, she's trying to target 
she's trying to like tell somebody something. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, ugh. That, no, that's a good pull. Yeah. Um, and yeah, anytime like um, the wheelchair was like chasing poor Claire around. <laughs> Could you imagine seeing that scene as a kid? Like that oh. scene, I, I it would that scene would fuck me up mm-hmm. if I saw that as a kid. Like I don't... you'd be walking by any chair in your house, Dude. like looking sideways. Ooh. It was so like a roller coaster. Like yeah. I just really liked the cameras and how it was like moving around. In the yeah, like it was very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, anytime the ball was like drop, anytime they use those stairs, I think they use those really creatively. So yeah. Yeah, the ball, and then he goes and throws the ball in the ocean or whatever, and then it, the ball comes rolling down the stairs later. Yeah, for sure. They did a lot of really good scares like that. I think another one I wanted to draw attention to was the lullaby. So he this he's a, this guy's a composer, and a lot of his day is sitting at the piano writing out his pieces, recording, I should say, the pieces that he's kind of putting together on the piano. He records himself playing this piece, and... I remember hearing, once they found the music box, the little tinkly music box, when it opened, it started playing that exact tune, and <laughs> I I don't remember if it was Rose or it doesn't matter. What, some of the people were watching it with were just like, no, that's that can't be the same tune, whatever. And I was like, no, it's the same tune. And that kind of gave me chills when I first heard it. I was mm. like, uh, he was channeling <laughs> something. Like, he's a sensitive, he's sensitive to this kind of stuff somehow, because um, this spirit made him write this song anyway um, that is fucking one of those like where you think about it and you just get like creeped out yeah another scene so it's the scene where they have gone they have located where they think the well is and there's a home it's like a beach home and it's built over this well i don't think the owner didn't know it was there and there's kind of two scenes that were are almost equally creepy to me Mm -hmm. and one you don't even see anything it's just the the mother and the owner of the home uh she's talking with them and saying you know yeah my daughter has been sleeping with me lately because and the way she describes what her daughter saw is creepier almost than seeing it Uh which you do see it later because it happens again but yeah she just basically describes how her her daughter who's young like uh, five six Seven. I don't. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell, mm-hmm. but she's a, around that age or something. And she woke up screaming, ran to her mother screaming or was just screaming in her room. Um, and her mother found her there staring at the floor in her bedroom and said that she looked down and there was a boy climbing out of the well staring oh. at her. And it oh. gave me a, like, I, I just had a flash of the ring. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, and... It, could you and i was just imagining myself being a little kid seeing a ghost or like a little boy crawl out of my floor and just stare at me like that's terrifying the description of it's terrifying and then you see this actually happen again later on with little girl gets out of her mother's bed and is kind of sleepwalking to her room and then you actually see the little boy in the well um and her scream and everything. That was kind of scary, but the description before, I think, was way more scary. Yeah. But this movie's really good at kind of sneaking in those kinds of mm-hmm. eerie, unsettling... Really building the scares. Things. Like, one thing that I wrote down was, like, you can see, like, the uh, the spooky films of nowadays, like The Conjuring and Insidious, in particular, because I think those are incredibly well done. But they're well done because they throw back to ones like these, hmm. where they build the scare. It's like a lot of these scenes where he's walking up the, st- the stairs and, like, 
that music is just like slowly, slowly building. Like this movie takes its time and lets you live with its characters for a while before and gradually scares you. Like um, the first scare that you get, if I'm not mistaken, other than the family dying, you know, horrifically, mm-hmm. is that piano key. Mm-hmm. Like, dun. you know, it's mm-hmm. like, and it's and it's not very, it, it's, it doesn't come with a da-da-da, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> or like something like that. It's just, it's just, dun, and then it's nothing else. And then the second one, I believe, was like the door just opening, like mm-hmm. behind them. Yep. And it's like, doesn't need to be a, mm, you know, yeah. like that kind of shit or anything like that. It's just this very subtle stuff. And gradually it amps up like big time. But one of my favorite scares in the movie was, it has to do with the wheelchair, was when um, she walks, I think they're walking past the staircase and she and Clara stops and she has this look on her face, like wide eyed and just like frozen. And the wheelchair is just sitting there, like, at the edge of the stairs. And I was like, fuck, that's fucking creepy. Yeah, and <laughs> that's another one. Yeah, I almost forgot. Yeah, just the way she was already upset about something else. Yeah. And um, that just stops her in her tracks. Like, she stops talking, like, and, yeah, her stare Ooh. is just so scary. Yeah. Her screams are just scary. Like, oh. just for her screaming down those stairs, like, I, I just felt. Like some kin to Claire. Oh I'm my like, god! And the juxtaposition of like her having an appropriate reaction yes. to that genuinely terrifying <laughs> things happening, and him who was just like he has come to accept that this like you know this is just life you, you know. I love and, this scene when he's like standing at the end of the stairs and he's like, "What do you want from me?" <laughs> I'm like screaming. <laughs> but he's like gen- like it sounds like genuinely like you would say to like your toddler like I've done everything you've asked. What do you? <laughs> Yeah, I love that scene. It's like, it's almost comical because he's like, I've legit fucking searched for you, dude. Like, what do you want? (laughs) But yeah, like, yeah, for me, it's a subtle, that subtle stuff. And I think like, to a point, like, yeah, this does have some over the topness, you know, like the POV shots are great, like of, you know, father, father, and it's like traveling through the upstairs. A lot of those were like really, really creepy to me. Mm-hmm. But I think like those more subtle scares are like the the real, the, like the realistic stuff. Not a lot of stuff in this movie is realistic, but it's like, yeah, people do report like, you know, bangs in the house or like you know doors opening and like you know uh like a, maybe a piano like hearing a piano and stuff like that just stuff like that where it's downplayed i i felt like they did a really good job of showing in this movie yeah like the stuff with the water heater and stuff with the banging that was a little over the top to mm-hmm. me over the head like i was like yeah this isn't that scary like it's an old house like some of these you gotta just mm-hmm. let go but um so yeah. those didn't work yeah i appreciated them showing them try to trying to debunk you know stuff before just accepting that there's a ghost because he Mm -hmm. accepted pretty fast that there is a spirit that needs his help pretty fast Mm -hmm. um i don't think the average person would have just been like you know what i'm on a mission now and i you know fuck my work like i'm just gonna do this now until i figure it out like he spends an incredible amount of time (laughs) just like not doing his job but i guess if you're a composer you can do things whenever but yeah it was like I was going somewhere, but I'll cut this out. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Um, like on one hand, like, um, and I saw a lot of reviews saying this, like the character is like smart up until the point where he doesn't get out of the fucking house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like, if you're in that situation though, um, and you feel like the ghost like needs your help or it's like, 
Because it, it's not necessarily trying to scare him. Like, it never, like, attacks him or whatever. It attacks tries to attack Claire for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't like the look of you, bitch. But like, <laughs> but, like, it never really tries to, like, out and out attack him. You know, like we've seen in other movies. So it's like... Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of. So not till the end. Yeah. Claire, at one point in the house, tells him no one would be upset with you if you left. Mm-hmm. Like, it would make sense for you to leave. And I think the spirit probably heard that, and that's why he kind of had it out for Claire. Because she, she was going to remove the only connection that this spirit had to try to kind of get what it needed i don't get why he i don't get what the spirit wanted and why it tried to kill him in the end like he's in the house and it like knocks him down somehow and it's making this chandelier swing to the point where it's going to break off and like fall on him it's like was this just pure spirit rage and it was taking out anything that happened to be around and it wasn't targeted at him or was it targeted targeted at him? Like or I couldn't there... really tell. Yeah. And I also too wondered why that one of my questions was why did the spirit kill the captain, the captain DeWitt at the mm. end? Like I, I didn't understand. Like why was he so vengeful for that? Um, maybe to like okay so they they find the bones in the well or whatever and so i th- i was kind of like maybe he was like okay well i've i finally found my stories out there like we can just blow all the shit up now like yeah <laughs> it's, it's over you know mm-hmm. so and, know. and maybe that's like a better question for you is like um like uh would you like it's almost like why um why do you and your husband go out and do these hunts is it like um like in this kind of situation where it's someone who can't move on or it's someone who maybe not as vengeful as this little boy was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> Samantha's like, I'm not trying to like investigate, you know, in a burning house and shit, but like, what do you, do you and your husband go out and like do these investigations for? Uh, well, first it's just interesting to us and just kind of, kind of X-Files just searching for the truth and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if we found anything like this that was so intelligent, <laughs> it would be amazing. But I, I mean, our, I think our beliefs are just kind of the things we encounter is pro- are probably like residual. Like it's it's nothing like looking or searching or I, I I find it very hard to believe that that a lot of spirits are sitting here. They have like ulterior motives or anything like that. I think if we do find things that they don't know that they're deceased or it's just residual hauntings or residual energy or something like that so i think these kind of hauntings where they're looking to solve my murder are very i don't think they really happen but it's it's nice that (laughs) hollywood does that no interesting so that's that's kind of like your uh your viewpoint on the uh on the on the on the ghost phenomenon and stuff Mm -hmm. is that there are no like intelligent life forms it's almost like uh going to an old and residual hauntings uh, for the listeners that don't know, or, or it's almost like uh, going to a train track in the middle of the night, and a train hasn't passed through there in you know hundreds of years, but you hear trains or mm-hmm. something. It's just like something that, it, like almost time being replayed over and over again, mm-hmm. which is like a crazy, like a, a weird, not a crazy idea, but like a weird idea that fascinates mm-hmm. me. You yeah. you bring that up. It's so funny. You asked me earlier about Indianapolis hauntings. We did try to uncover the because you know there's like the Abraham Lincoln train mm-hmm. phenomenon yeah. that goes on in Irvington. Yeah. <laughs> we did try to um, like debunk that and went to a couple of spots. So yeah, that's did place. you guys ever hear anything? Or? No. No. Nah. <laughs> I feel like you kind of experienced some of that residual, right? Like you, 
you won your mom lives in a straight up haunted house um and i think you said that your grandma had some haunting kind of in her home too her loved ones like almost had these habits and she would hear them almost sometimes doing oh, like yeah. these habitual things like like scooting a chair out in the kitchen or you know that kind of thing is that what kind of what you mean yeah so uh, and i don't want to speak for um samantha but like kind of <laughs> like minorities kind of have a weird kind of um a, a take on a lot of this stuff and it's like like uh, growing up mexican and stuff it's like we just accept that that's a part of of like uh kukui and you know all this stuff like uh, my grandma at, at one point like later on in life and my brother has said this too this like uh that she was almost like halfway in the waking world and halfway in the world of the dead because like we would go um, when Rose and I went on vacation down there. She would talk about like, oh, that's Poncho, yeah. yeah, down in San Antonio, and she was like, oh, uh, Poncho comes and you know visits me at night, and I'm just, I just tell him, you know, get out of here, like go on and do something else. And Rose is just <laughs> like, who's Poncho? And I'm like, oh, that's my, dead. <laughs> you know, that's my dead grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like uh, Rose and I like would hear um, like um, it, what sounded like somebody making coffee like in the middle of the night and chairs scooting in and out and stuff like that. And it's like, nobody's up. Like, you know, we could see the table from, cause she had like see through windows, like in uh, where we were sleeping and we could see the table and nobody was out there. And that was one of the first, like, uh, you know, residual haunting like moments. It's like, there sounds like somebody's making coffee out there. And we talked about it with my grandma uh, in the morning and she was like, uh, oh, that's either Juan making coffee or sometimes Posse comes and eats late. Like, you know, if he's out and, and about. Yeah, and it's just and like so nonchalant. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But that's just how she was. Like when, when my dad goes down there, like, you know, he, uh, he'll he go to like this legit witch doctor. And she has like bones hanging from the ceilings. And like, you know, mm-hmm. like you're like what you would picture a witch doctor to be. She's like a legit witch. And she's like, you know, you're, you're going to do that. It's like fortune telling, but, you know. Like out of pumpkin head, you know, yeah. <laughs> like the pumpkin head kind of style. But yeah, like like growing up um, in your family, though, did you like did you have you know um, like experiences stuff like that? Yeah. when you were young? Yeah, like we we definitely I had some aunts and uncles that just you know would take stuff like that for granted. Like, oh, that's probably like you know yeah. Uncle Al. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Twenty years. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, but you just like they say it so matter of factly. It's it's so funny. Like, yeah, same stories, tra- mm-hmm. Travis. Like, uh, so matter of factly. Like, oh yeah, that's Uncle Al. Like doing this, and yeah, and it's like he's been dead for fifteen years. But you just you just don't think of anything of it. You know, you yeah. just think it's normal. So <laughs> yeah, it was almost like a way uh, growing up of like uh, containing the kids and stuff. It's like oh, El Cocucuy's out there, you know, like, <laughs> or La Larona, like the the weeping woman who uh-huh. you know drowned her children in the in the creek, which every <laughs> creek you know has a weeping woman or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so do we want to go around and give like kind of our final thoughts on the um, on the changeling? Um, well, to me, this was no reanimator. That that's really the bar for me. <laughs> <laughs> that was my last episode I was on. Uh, but it was really good. I'd give it like a three out of five. Okay. Yeah. So Samantha, where do you think this uh, like kind of uh, sticks up to like? like some of the other similar movies like the conjuring and you know stuff like that like exercise haunting like haunting kind of movies Uh, those are those are some of my favorites Uh like yeah um so i mean 
and, and and now that seeing this, I can kind of see the inspiration. Like mm-hmm. now that you're talking about like, oh, the others was, I'm just like, yeah, it's kind of the same movie and kind of gave me the same kind of chills. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have to respect it for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably these there. Uh, Probably these other movies are a little, little higher ranking to me, but mm-hmm. it, was, it was it was a solid solid That's movie. That's Three. fair. Yeah. That's fair. Mm-hmm. All right. I will give this a four out of five. Mm-hmm. And I will say I wish I could have seen this in 1980 in that time. Like mm-hmm. I, without having, without all the knowledge and like all of the, you know, movies that I've seen since then that have all clearly had taken inspiration from it, taken straight up scenes out of it and recreated them like just sitting here talking with you guys i'm like wow i've seen a lot of haunting films (laughs) Mm -hmm. that uh, are taking directly from this and so i've seen these other ones that have scared me way more Mm -hmm. and then when i see this yes i was genuinely like creeped out at times and there i was disturbed like the scene with the father killing the son and drowning him in the tub as he's banging on the like the metal walls of this tub is like actually fucking disturbing mm-hmm. i don't know how it didn't get cut personally but like just like, that how does that was that yeah. Yeah. now that you talk about that like, that was it's the details of it mm-hmm. right it's like the him banging on the sides oh yeah. and his feet how you can see how they're uh they've been in the tub like a while like yeah, just, it, just those little details little wrinkled like, feet oh. yeah it's this is what i'm saying like genuinely disturbing even to this day but there were some scares and or i guess the way some scenes are constructed and the way um the build up to the to this to the scare is i've seen happen a lot Mm -hmm. in newer movies yeah and so Mm -hmm. i expected it and i was able to predict a few things you know and like the ball for instance like he's gonna throw this ball in the river and it's gonna (laughs) come down the stairs like you knew it was coming um but back in the 80s maybe you wouldn't have seen that yeah back in the 80s you're like holy shit <laughs> but I mean, that's kind of my general consensus is like, yeah, it becomes predictable if you've seen a lot of horror movies. Um, but I think there's still some, it's definitely worth watching. I still mm-hmm. recommend seeing it just cause it's fucking messed up. <laughs> like, just, just one final question for the both of you. Uh, and we'll start with you, Samantha. Like, did you guys find it a little slow? Like, uh, cause that's one thing that comes up with a lot of these older movies like The Shining and this. This isn't as long as The Shining, but did you think it took a little bit to get there or no? You, no, you know I, I didn't because, like I said, like I, I really liked how they did the opening scene. So, like, I was like, boom, I was invested, yeah. you know? I You're think, like, tragedy, I'm tra- there. I'm here. And then I just – and I, I love a slow builder. Like, take all day mm. and, and build it up, really, the anticipation for me. So I, I didn't mind it. I just – when they got away from the scary movie aspect of it, to me, it was, like, the only problem. And that part dragged on. But yeah, like the investigation was a little much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there were some scenes – this guy, I've noticed um, – I forget his name, the director. Um, but he loves, like, really wide shots, like, really – like, for instance, there's a scene that I thought could have totally been cut entirely because nothing actually happens in it. Um, and it's where he has parked his car in the garage. And, like, it's this really wide shot of him. And he just very slowly shuts both sides of the, the garage door. And then he walks to the front door very slowly and goes in the house. And that's literally all that happens. And, like, you have this scary music, like, this, like, uh, ooh, creepy, like, something might happen music. Setting up the ambience, Katie. And nothing 
opens. And I'm like, this was a waste a little of foreplay. time. It's a little foreplay. You got to foreplay before you get to the action here. I They could have at least had something little happen, like maybe a light something goes on, on or off. Or, or, yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, the door shuts behind him or I don't know. Just something. But and maybe there was something subtle I totally missed. But if that was the case probably should have done something more obvious anyway um yeah i would say there were some things to trim but overall i don't i don't mind the slow build of this one for sure mm -hmm. no so this is like a four out of five for me as well like to, a four to a four and a half because i'm a coward like i can't, <laughs> I can't really decide but like uh yeah this is like one of your classic classic uh ghost story movies and i'm not like ghost story movies aren't my forte but i love it when it's done right mm -hmm. like i love i love the creepy music i love the build-up i love uh, spending time with these people before we jump right into it like that and that's a that's a problem that i have with a lot of these newer ones man like like um and not to bash on movies but like the turning or like like just some of these movies that don't do it well like uh, and i think that this one spends the time with you as the audience to build that scare and i love that i love that what was scarier to you guys the goat like the ghost spirit moving things and doing things in the home, banging, whatever, or was it the story? Like what that father did to his own child and replace his own kid, mm. which is scarier? Good question. Well, I think one of them's a sad reality and the other one, I think the other one's scary. Like I think the, the banging around the house and shit's scarier. But I mean, the other one's sad. Like that's one thing we haven't talked about this movie is like that there is a sad element. I guess I just took it for granted. I just I don't know. Like <laughs> I, I, I'm these. more horrified at a human being's capacity, a father's capacity to kill his own child. Like yeah. that's scarier to me than yeah. something banging around in my house. If I'm honest, and, like I said, I I just as soon as they opened up that room, I knew it was a disappointment uh, room, yeah. and I just already knew that some like messed up stuff happened in there. So I was like, I took it for granted. I was like, yep, yep, okay, I'm, yeah, I believe it. <laughs> You know, like I figured it'd be like some mutant or yeah. something, yeah. <laughs> like coming out or something. Anytime there's something to do with a kid, Kate always goes. Like, I do clutch, clutch my pearls, Kate. I do. I just couldn't imagine <laughs> killing my kid over money. Like, because the thing is, if he died, and it, let's say his son dies of whatever he had going on, mm -hmm. and he, this man dies, like imagine that amount of greed controlling you that you don't even like. You're gonna be dead. Who gives a shit what happens to your money when you're dead? Right. And it, rather than go to charity, you yeah. like wanted a fake son to do it to take it over from. Like what? Totally buy it. Why Boring do you care? <laughs> yeah, why, like, why do you care if you're already dead? Why do you care anyway? Hey man, greed. Um, but yeah, so like like I said, four out of five for me. Um, I love these. You know the the like I said, not my forte, but I love the old classic ghost stories and stuff. Um, Samantha, we, I want to. Oh, go ahead. Do you have a book rack? I do. I okay. do. I, um, Samantha, I want to thank you for joining us. It's always a blast. Samantha always brings like an energy, and I'm like fucking like like let's roll. <laughs> <laughs> like she always brings an energy. Uh, maybe that's a uh, maybe you have a following spirit on you or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she always brings an energy, and I'm I'm just like let's go. Yeah, it's. <laughs> and I love getting 
podcasters together I, with podcasters. I think that's it. Yeah. I'm like, I know what it takes to do you guys' job. So I'm like, I try, I try to not be like a lame. Like, oh. Yeah. Because, yeah, you know, like, uh, so, like sometimes I come in, I'm just like, let's fucking talk about it. You know, like, nothing, you know nothing matters. Whatever. But uh, yeah. So as always, I have a book recommendation and this is actually a newer one. It's called The Nightmare Room. Uh, book one of the Messy Man series. <laughs> which also uh, sounds like something that brooks you know googles on pornhub <laughs> uh, the nightmare room by chris Sorensen, um new york audiobook narrator peter larson and his wife hannah head to his hometown of maple city to help peter's ailing father and to put an end to the recent tragedy behind them Though the small Midwestern town seems the idyllic place to start afresh, Peter and Hannah will soon learn that evil currents flow beneath its surface. They move into an old farmhouse on the outskirts of town, a house purchased by Peter's father at an auction and kept secret until now, secret secrets, and start to settle into their new life. But as Peter sets up his recording studio in the small basement room, Disturbing things begin to occur. Mysterious voices haunt audio tracks. Malevolent shadows creep about the house. And when an insidious presence emerges from the woodwork, Peter must face old demons in order to save his family and himself. The Nightmare Room. Sounds like bad men. Yeah, it does. So, so yeah, that's my book recommendation. Uh, Samantha, thank you again for joining us. Um, I really want to. Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry <laughs> for right, interrupting. Right. Uh, I really want to have your husband on. What's his name again? Jeff. Okay, I really want to have him on. Make and, your plea. Oh yeah. Um, uh, so is he not a horror movie guy? Is that no, the... he loves horror movies. He, okay. This is not a social. Yeah. <laughs> so one movie that always uh, scared the scared the creature when uh, he was growing up was Burn Offerings. Uh, Burn Offerings is a uh, was a novel, but it featured. It's one of the first like kind of like um, uh, spooky ghosty stories where the financial aspect comes into it because it was a 70s movie and the the family isn't making enough money to up and leave the house so it's like it's an interesting kind of like fuck we just bought this house and it's fucking haunted but we can't move because you know fuck like the conjuring yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah like very much like the conjuring but done like you know 40 years earlier but yeah so i really want to have him talk talk about that and you know some of the scenes that scarred me as a as a child <laughs> i will put the offer out to him travis i really i really do want him to do this this is a fun time so like I would yeah everyone go him. to the pair of normals facebook page and tell <laughs> yes. jeff to yeah. come on our show <laughs> yes Absolutely. So, so that's paranormals yeah check out their podcast uh when is that dropping or? our new season starts in july all right so yeah look look for it in july um, but as always, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Horrifying My Friends and Horrifying MF on Twitter. Uh, catch me also at the Captain Creature YouTube and Captain Creature Twitter. Um, as always, have a week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>